Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast exclusively about WordPress development. I'm Brad, along with my co-host, Pippin Williamson. Hi, everyone. This podcast is going to be primarily about WordPress development, uh, all aspects of it, both core development, along with what we personally do inside of our own WordPress businesses. And in this episode, for number one, we're going to be talking about the Heartbeat API, the way that it's used in WordPress core, maybe some ways that you could use it, some examples, and then also about some of the other things that have been introduced with WordPress 3.6, including some of the new features for audio and video. And then we'll probably wrap up by talking a little bit about what each of our, what we've been working on ourselves in our own projects. So Brad, do you want to start out with the Heartbeat API? Yeah, sure. So the Heartbeat API uh, is currently powering uh, what parts of the what parts of the dashboard are currently powered by that? Pippin? Well, there, there's several things. Uh, it actually powers the new revisions system, or it it's part of the system used in revisions. Uh, it also, if you ever been on your WordPress site in the dashboard and you see a really nice little modal that pops up that says, hey, your session has expired, um, that modal is all powered by the Heartbeat API and allows you to re-log in anytime you want without actually having to refresh the page. Um, the Heartbeat API is really, really cool. It actually does a few other things, but it's basically a, well, it's a pulse for WordPress. It's very appropriately named. And so there is a, a beating heart inside of WordPress now that communicate between the front end and the server uh, just like a heart. There's right. a heartbeat, and every time it sends data and retrieve and sends data back. And then um, it runs and, uh, every 15 seconds, right? Is that, is that the right Right. Level? I believe that's the default. And I know you can change the period at which it runs. I think you can also possibly change it on a per-page basis. I'm not entirely sure on that. But it's really cool because it allows you to very easily hook into it and do things on the fly without requiring any interaction from the user. The way that I think of it and that I will, I've explained it to people is it's kind of similar to cron jobs. Uh, cron jobs have been around forever, and we think of a cron as something that runs in the background. It runs on a schedule, and the heartbeat is very, very similar, that it runs on a schedule every few seconds, maybe 15 seconds or 30 seconds, depending on the settings, and allows information to be sent between the screen and the server to determine if something needs to happen. So determine if a, a new revision needs to be stored. Determine if the user that is viewing the page is still logged in, whether their session has expired. And a variety of other things like that. Right. So it's a so, really cool API. So is it, it's, it's quite a bit different than Cron, though, because you, it's really just a UI thing, right? Whereas a, well, the Cron it, is something... That where like if you wanted to run like a background process. right right it, it is very very different from cron the the reason I compare it to cron is simply that it's something that runs in the background on a schedule and right. so you can think of it in that sort of way but you wouldn't do the same tasks with it like you wouldn't use the heartbeat API to trigger an email that gets sent right uh, I mean theoretically you probably could now whether you should or not is a different story um, <laughs> but just in terms of like the way that it functions the way that it, it beats on a pulse. Uh, on a schedule is kind of similar to cron. If you need something to wrap your mind around what it does uh, and how it works, I think that's kind of a good example to it. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, they're both time-based kind of functions, so that makes total right. sense. So if, uh, if the dashboard, if you, like if you don't have the dashboard open, is, does the Heartbeat API, you know, run though? Like, Yes. Yeah, so so I, by that, I assume you mean uh, if you're like viewing the front end of website? 
Yeah. So say there's someone admin. Yeah. So so say there's somebody on the front end and there's hits coming to the front end of the site, but no one's logged into the back end. So just like the WordPress Ajax API has the ability to run actions for logged out users and also logged in users, the Heartbeat also has a pulse for logged in and logged out. Uh, so you can, oh, when you, as, as a developer, if you're writing a plugin or a theme that you're tying into the Heartbeat, you can actually choose whether you're tying into it for a logged out user or a logged in user. Um, and so it uses the, the same uh, if you're familiar with the Ajax API, use uh, a suffix called no priv, meaning no privileges, right. yep. not a logout user. And so it uses the same thing. So you can attach into the no priv heartbeat and then send back data to a logged out user. Uh, okay. I did see a really cool example that someone put together uh, allowing you to show a notice on the front end of a site anytime a new post is published. So you could be reading a site and then it shows that a little notice fades in and shows, hey, a brand new post has been published, click here to read it. Which, if you are familiar with the P2 themes, which is used on a lot of the internal WordPress make blogs, it actually has that exact same feature. I'm not, I don't think that one is based off the Heartbeat API. It might be one of the things that initially triggered the idea behind the Heartbeat, but it's a very similar concept in terms of what you can do with it. Interesting. So how does, so the, um, like the or the message that gets sent from the back end to the UI, like how does that how does that work? Like how how it's it's really pretty cool. Um, and it's I wanted to go at it from a jQuery perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say that on on the screen you want to trigger an event anytime a button is clicked. So you would do something like um, on click for this particular selector, do this. Uh, and whatever your action is. Well, so the heartbeat works very similar, except you would you just do on heartbeat tick, perform this. So WordPress will actually trigger the jQuery action of the heartbeat tick anytime the heartbeat is sent out, so anytime that it ticks. And so if you have your jQuery script and it's listening for the on heartbeat tick event, it's right. going to fire anytime the heartbeat sends. And so what you would then do is you can you can set up a, uh, just a, as the easiest example to set up is to like just show a browser alert whenever that fires. Uh, and then you can actually send your data back to the server to say, basically you're, you're saying, hey, I need to retrieve data with the next, next pulse. Okay. So then on the server side, when you see that you have requested data from the front end, it will actually, you can then modify the response that gets sent back, which is nothing more than a ra- an array of data. Right. So, so anything that you can dump in an array can be sent. So is it really, is it, so is the timer itself running? It sounds like it's running in the JavaScript itself at every yes. 15 seconds. It's, the Heartbeat API is very heavily JavaScript-based. Um, right. okay. If you look at the core API itself, um, the Heartbeat API in terms of the JavaScript side is a couple thousand lines of code, I believe, and the server side is like 30. Right, right. So There's very, very little to it. So, so we have a timer running... Uh, in the JavaScript, every well by default, every fifteen seconds, and it's firing a JavaScript, a jQuery event. Is that right? Yes. And then, and then, then you can do whatever you want uh, when that event fires. So you can send a request to the backend to get some data, do whatever you like. Correct. Right. So I, I used it recently. Right. Um, yeah. 
in a in kind of just a trial period to see see what I could do with it, um, I wrote a little plugin um, that allows you to update your sales summary widget in my Easy Digital Downloads plugin automatically. So on the dashboard, we have a widget that basically displays your monthly earnings and sales, and so I use the Heartbeat API to tie into that. So if somebody's sitting on their dashboard right. and a new sale comes in, the next time the Heartbeat ticks, it's going to automatically update your earnings and your sales with the new numbers uh, nice. based upon the new sales that have just been recorded. So you could actually sit at your dashboard all, all day and just watch your sales and earnings go. Now, if you don't have a lot, it might get a little boring doing that, but the idea is the data is updated live without you ever refreshing the page. Cool. Um, yeah, it's actually really, really cool what you can do with it. I've heard that, uh, I, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that the heartbeat doesn't run when, say you have like the tab is not in focus, say you have like 10 tabs open and the heartbeat API is, under, is running under one tab and then you I switch to don't another tab. Think that's, I don't think that's true. Okay. Uh, I, I might be wrong in that. Um, if if somebody knows the answer, that'd be awesome to hear about it. Yeah. Um, just from from when I was doing my testing, I actually was testing it early on before the Heartbeat API was finished, and I was struggling with a bug. And one of the ways that I was testing it was just logging data to the console, and I left it open for a, a long time. <laughs> and I came back, and there was like dozens and dozens of of console logs just sitting there in my console, even though the the tab hadn't been focused. Now. Right. That might not be true with the final iteration of the API, but at least when I was testing, when I was first testing it, that didn't seem to be the case. Right, and this thing is uh, the Heartbeat API is pretty much. It, I don't know. I thought it was experimental. I think I've seen that somewhere, but it's inactive use. So, what, what's the deal there? Like, are we allowed to use it? What's going? On? Um, well. I, I mean, I think yes, it is definitely experimental in the terms that it could change a lot. I, see. Uh, I mean, this is, the, this is the first iteration of it, so um, I, I wouldn't go basing giant plugins off of it that are going to break if something in the API changes. Right. I, I, think, I think it's experimental in terms of that. But it's being used heavily inside of Core already. It's being used, like we said, for uh, some of the new revisions tracking. It's being used for the session timeouts. It's being used... Oh, the one that I really like... It, on is the post locking. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, have, yep. Yeah, so the old post locking would just give you like a little red notice at the top that says so and so is currently editing this post. Well, now it actually gives you a really slick modal that says so and so is requesting access to edit this post right. or uh, or so and so is is po editing this post would you like to request access. Right. And that's so cool. And that's a lot of that's based off of the Heartbeat API. Right. I've seen um Carl Hancock of uh, Gravity Forms posted a screenshot of an upcoming feature in Gravity Forms. I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. So they're doing the same thing with forms, letting people right. take over the editing of a form or entries, and I thought that was cool. That's pretty good. Yeah. So they're I using saw another, it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're using it. So uh, I I am using it in uh, the next version of one of one of my plugins, but it's going to be pretty minimal. Um, it, it's most mostly just an experiment. I've included a way to turn it off in case something drastic happens and right. things like that. So I guess um, I, at, at this point, like experimental, the Heartbeat API really experimental means it could probably change. Or it, Well, I think it's the same way that uh, the WP list table class 
is still considered like a lot of people say that you shouldn't use it for like your plugin and theme development. Um, w list table has not changed much in the last two years. Okay. And and so I know tons and tons of plugins. I use it myself. Uh, we rely on it heavily, right. and it's never once causing problems. That doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, you should you should be conscious of the fact that it could change. But I would not avoid using it because of that. Right. As long as you're being a responsible de- developer, you're paying attention to changes, things like that. Um, it's not going to bite you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you should be paying attention to the changes when new releases come out, anyway, because you know things right. are Even deprecated, or you know, absolutely. Like, yeah, we there was a couple functions that we had to change in WP Migrate DB Pro that were deprecated and were showing up if you had WT, WP Debug on. So, well, I mean, you, yeah, you might remember when uh, WordPress two point five came out. <laughs> About half of the plugins started throwing notices on WP DB Prepare because no one had been using it correctly. And then they finally decided, okay, let's tell people they're not using it correctly. <laughs> right, right. So if that, you know, production sites running with WP debug on and oh, yep. ca- chaos ensued, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I, I want to mention one more example that I saw of the Heartbeat API, uh, maybe before we jump on into the audio and video section. Sure. Uh, this is posted on, I think, WP Toots Plus, the Envato site. Mm-hmm. And they posted a tutorial on writing a plugin that's using the Heartbeat API for showing who is currently logged in. So you could have a widget that displays the avatars of all the logged in users. Oh. And I've seen people do this before. Um, I'm not really sure how they how they've always done it. I think they store maybe store options in the database hmm. based upon like when a user logs in and then destroy it when the user logs out. Well, so they did the same sort of thing except they're using it all on the Heartbeat API. And so you have this widget that constantly updates as users log in and out, which is really pretty slick. I don't know if there's any negative impact in terms of performance on the site if you were to use it, but I love the idea, and I think it provides a really good example of what is possible with with the Heartbeat API. So I would go check it out. Very cool. Cool. So should we move on to embedding audio and video, the, the new embedding audio and video in 3.6? Yeah, let's talk a bit about that. I also want to talk about some of the other media functions that are in WordPress 3.6 because I think they're really pretty cool. Sure. Um, so if you're not familiar with them, WordPress 3.6 introduced uh, native support for embedding audio and videos. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that, Brad? Yeah, so... Uh... If you just post now, if you just copy like a YouTube uh, link into uh, into a post, uh, or I guess that used to be that was always the case before three point six. Right, it's not just it's it, YouTube has always been it's it's right. actually like self hosted videos. Right. So if you actually use the media upload uploader to uh, upload like an MP four video or an MP three file for audio. It will actually, uh, and then you insert that into a post. It will actually, you know, create a nice uh, embedded uh, audio or video player. Um, yeah, and I believe it's using the the media element JS library. Right. Yes, that's right. Which I've I'd never actually heard of before. I I'd, I'd heard mention of it, and uh, when I, f- I, f- I was following the track tickets for a while for this these features getting implemented into core uh, for the last year or so. And I know there was a lot of discussion about it then. I think that was the first time that I'd heard. Right. Um, there must be a really lot cool. of decision 
I mean, there must be a lot of due diligence that goes into uh, selecting like a JS library. Oh, there's got to be. I mean, yeah. you can't just choose any library out there. I mean, yeah. I mean, for one, you have to decide, is WordPress core maintaining the library? Are we relying on third-party developers to maintain it? Um, I mean, things like, decisions like that can't be made lightly. And so usually yeah. when the core team makes the decision to, to use a library or other, you can know that that library is probably going to be pretty solid and will be around for a long time. Right. This is a pretty uh, awesome feature, though. So uh, one of the problems with embedding audio and video uh, is that not all browsers support the same formats. So, for right. instance... It's a real pain. Yeah. And, and in fact, it's, uh, it's still a bit of a problem, actually, <laughs> even with these new changes. Uh, so, for instance, if you upload an MP4, uh, it will work in Chrome and Safari... Uh, but it won't work in Firefox. Actually, Correct. it will it will fall back to Flash, and uh, in, instead of using the native HTML5 video player, it'll fall back mm -hmm. to Flash. And so, uh, and that's for licensing reasons. Uh, MP4 is a, a licensed format, and Firefox uh, does not, uh, or the Mozilla Foundation does not like that. <laughs> does not, oh, I didn't doesn't know that was the reason. Oh yeah, the, the Mozilla. I've always been intrigued by why it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Mozilla doesn't want to pay royalties, right? They're a nonprofit organization, right. so they don't want to have to pay royalties uh, to whoever owns MP4 format. And uh, in fact, I think it's the same thing for MP3. I believe that's also a proprietary format. And, I believe so. And uh, so you need to use if you want like a native HTML5 player. To work in Firefox, you need to upload an og vorbis file. So, yeah, dot og. Anytime that I post videos on my site, I always I self host them as well, um, and I have always uploaded an OGV and an MP4, right. which is really kind of annoying because you got to take the time to convert the videos and oh, upload them, extra disk space, etc. Uh, I'm really looking forward to using the new video embeds. I'm not using them yet. Um, I'm going to switch my stuff over to use them now as soon as I actually get the chance to test them out. But they're really pretty slick. And it's not just the O-embed that they added. I mean, if you copy the URL to a video or an audio file into your post, it's going to transform that into a post, I mean, into the embedded video or audio. But they've yeah. also introduced shortcodes for video and audio. Yeah. So you can just do a shortcode called audio and then give it a parameter of source and specify the URL, and that will work as well. Uh, right. Which if I recall, that's actually what the OEmbed does. It just takes the URL, drops it into the shortcode, and outputs the shortcode. Right. So if you less. switch from the visual editor to the HTML editor, you're going to see that shortcode sitting in there. Most. I don't. No, I don't think so. Uh, no? I believe it. I think it only happens on render when when the page okay. is actually displayed. I don't. I don't believe it modifies the actual content in the page. Oh, okay. So how does how does it know? where the video should show up in your content when you're editing it the HTML. puts it in, it puts it in the same place as the as where you pasted the url oh okay so it just it just puts in the url to to the video right file or the well see it's, it's a little tricky because if you followed wordpress 3.6 from the beginning and you played with the post formats ui that they were thinking about introducing it had support for audio and video as well and that one worked differently where it gave you like an extra input field to paste the URL, and then it appended that to your content, and it was much more difficult to control where it was placed, or oh. it was a little trickier. Um, 
Interesting. But no, this this one just puts it wherever you decide to paste the URL or the to the file. Okay, but but so I'm I'm really thrilled with it. Yeah, uh, optionally you can use the short code if if you yes. want more control. For instance, like like you were just saying, you you do the uh, the aug as well, for, so mm-hmm. that you can have native support in Firefox. Uh, you can use the short code to add those additional formats uh, in there as well. Well, and just as like an example, let's say that you want to take advantage of the new Media Element JS library that WordPress Core has, but you don't want the actual videos embedded in the post or the page. You want to put them somewhere else inside of your template file. Well, what you could do is you could have, say, a meta field, uh, similar to the way that the post formats UI was setting it up, that you paste the URL of the video into, and then in your template files, you can simply either call the audio shortcode or video shortcode or the actual function, uh, which I I forget what the function is called that it that the shortcode calls, but you could just use that actual function and pass a URL to it, and it will work the same way. Right. So you'll yep. you will get the 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 video or the audio player in the exact location that you choose, which is really handy. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So I mean, just be, just being able to do that in Core without having a plugin is really cool. Um, I'm sure that there are some plugins that are are a little bit sad about that because now their plugin is is not necessarily needed. Um, <laughs> right. But I mean, it, it really depends on the developer. I was really pleased to see Tom McFarlane, who wrote an audio player plugin. I think it's just called Audio Player. Uh, he he actually. Uh, has I don't know if he's closed the plugin down, but he's stopped development of it because it's no it's not really needed anymore because it's all in core. And I think that's what a responsible developer should do. And I think that's really cool that we have these plugins that provided these features, and we can see them slowly go away as things get added into core. Definitely, yeah, that's that's the way it's supposed to work, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, there were a couple other little functions that I just want to mention really quickly since we're on the audio video part. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to play with them. I've used them a little bit, but there's some really cool new functions for like retrieving all your images and your galleries and such from from your uh, from your post or any attached media. Have you played with those? Uh, no, I I don't do a lot of uh, like theme work or <laughs> lately. Sure, so, so I don't I do very much anymore either. Uh, I really just saw them and I, and they kind of intrigued me, uh, so, and I wanted so to write a tutorial to about them. Oh yeah. We gotcha. Yeah, I, I I wanted to write a tutorial on it, and I wanted to just play with them just to know about them. Um, but there's a couple of cool ones. There's one that allows you to get all of the the URLs for the full size images from all of the galleries inside your post. So let's say a post has like three or four galleries in it, and you just want to retrieve an array of all the image URLs in those galleries. You can do like get post gallery images or galleries images, something like that, and it will just give you an array of all the image URLs. And so that one's pretty cool. Uh, the other one that I like is uh, Git post. Okay. So it just uh, it just parses it out, does it? Just right. It just it it grabs it grabs the gallery. It look it grabs the image. I mean the attachment IDs, and then retrieves the URLs for you and puts them into a nice array. Uh, so it's nothing groundbreaking. I mean it's not amazing, but it's one of those handy little helper functions that when in the in the off chance that you need to do something like that. Uh, it's awesome and saves you a lot of time. Right. There, there's another one, I think it's just called Git Post Media, that allows you to easily retrieve all of the post objects for any attached files to a, to a post. So let's say you have an audio file, an image, and a video attached to a post, and you want to retrieve those post objects. 
there's now a function called git post media that allows you to retrieve those. And this yeah. has always been possible. I think it's oh, called uh, git attached media, actually. I is think that, you're right. Is that the one? Thanks. Yeah. Um, it's, it's either git post media or git attached media, one okay. or the other. Um, I mean, you've always been able to do this. There, there's always been a function called uh, git children, which is basically just a wrapper to, uh, to WP query or git post and allows you to specify a parent ID, basically, and then a mime type and things like that. Well, so git attached media is simply a wrapper function to git children that sets up all the arguments for you and just makes it really simple to do. Yeah, that's, that's pretty handy. Yeah. So it's another it, one of those ones. It seems it's like, not like a hack almost, function. right? Before, like, it is, like, it's children. always been almost a hack. Like, yeah. you, you saw all these tutorials for how to, how to get all the media attached to your post, how to get all post images. And it's always, it's always seemed a little hackish. And so this is now a, a nice uh, helper function that does it for you. Right. It's official. We can get our media yep. <laughs> properly. Amazing. Groundbreaking. <laughs> well, shall we... Uh, close out by talking a little bit about each of what each of us are doing yeah, on our own sure. development projects. Sure. Um, Why don't you go and start? Yeah, sure. I'll go ahead. Well, I'm working on uh, WP Migrate DB Pro, uh, the plugin uh, that we and sell. And what does that plugin do? So it migrates uh, your WordPress database from one install to another. So it's it's really for developers. So uh, you know, say you're starting work on a client site uh, and you need, need a copy of their database. Well, you could just install the plugin on their live site and you install one locally on the dev site that you set up. And then you can just suck down their database from one install to the other. So it's it's pretty handy. Uh, lot, it's, getting probably one of the, it's probably one of the coolest plugins I've seen, to be honest. Um, <laughs> awesome. I mean, the idea of, of dropping your API keys into each install and and literally pulling or pushing down is awesome. Um, the first time I saw, it, I immediately thought like the Git like the Git model for yeah. how version yeah. control works in Git. And I'm like, holy cow, this is amazing! I'm just pulling my database down here. It's doing all these changes for me. It's fixing the URLs, etc. Mad props for that. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, we, so we've is, gotten a is lot there of positive new coming... feedback. Is there any new features coming to it that you're working on, or is it mostly maintenance development that you're doing now that you have so, it out the door? So yeah, there's always it's the biggest challenges that we faced is like dealing with uh, server uh, security stuff, like mod uh, security that's embedded in Apache, uh, and so we, we're dealing with that and like way, working around ways uh, or working around the problems that that stuff uh, presents us and trying to just accommodate as many different server configs as possible uh so that's like an ongoing battle <laughs> uh sure. and and I then imagine, i imagine you get a, at least a decent number of reports saying well it's not working on my server uh, yeah. due to things like that oh exactly it's actually what we get is 500 internal server errors or uh in the case uh, where the server is not set up uh to display uh the, so a lot of servers, cPanel especially, they're set up to uh, display a 500 internal server error, and the configuration says, oh, the HTML file is at this location. But in fact, there is no HTML file there. So what you get is a 404 error. So 
what oh fantastic <laughs> so what really like when they say 404 what they really mean is 500 but they just can't show it because they don't have the template for it <laughs> so we, we get a lot of those like 404s or 500 errors and those are almost always uh some kind of security usually mod security built i'd, I'd imagine uh i mean obviously it depends a little on the size of your user base how many ports of this you get you, but you've probably worked out um some pretty set routines on how to track these things down, which which hosting companies have the problems, et cetera. Oh, yeah. So, well, yeah. The, the, the big hosts, it tends to be the little hosts that get us. Uh, the, oh, I mean, I think that's true with most development problems like yeah. this. Cause it's, I always, think... it's always the little hosts that you don't have access to their control panels or... Yeah. Well, I think the, it's the big hosts, hosts. The big hosts, like, have to support a lot of people and in different that makes sense. a lot of different plugins and a lot of different scenarios so they they have this kind of like baseline security that's a little weak probably not the strongest and then like the smaller shops tend to be like over secure and and they haven't seen like some of the requests that we're sending along right so sure. but anyway we're working on ways to get around some of that gzipping is one and and decreasing how much data we're sending and that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's an ongoing thing. But what's well, really it's a cool, really it's a really cool plugin for sure. Yeah, thanks. What we're one thing we're really excited about what we're working on next is to be able to sync the media files. So that, that's really the other piece of a site that changes where you you don't want to be screwing around with, uh, you know, copying like. The database right. is definitely so you, harder. Are you, but... are you talking about like transferring the WP content directory? So say you have five gigs of media files, right, mm -hmm. up on a live site. Well, how do you get the latest media files that have changed since, you know, say you worked on the site three months ago? Well, you want to, you update the database, right? But then it's missing a bunch of media files. So how do you get those media files without having to do a complete, like, copy of five gigs? Right, right. You could you could rsync, but not everyone. Yeah, that's has assuming your server supports it. You you know exactly. how to use it and things like that. Exactly. So what if what if you could, as part of your database migration, we could compare what's changed between the two before it actually does the database migration? And so then are you are you files. looking at differences in the database? So you're so you're looking at references to those media files. Exactly. We're looking at the difference cool. between between the two uh, media. Uh, libraries uh, between the two installs before we migrate the database. We look at the difference, copy copy files, remove files, whatever to to make them identical. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So that that was like the number one requested thing that we've gotten from people. So that's what we're going to work on. Yeah, I imagine that would be um, I mean, extremely valuable for somebody yeah. who's migrating a lot of sites. Yeah, we're, it's going to be a challenge because. Uh, with databases, we can send through little bits at a time. With files, it's a little trickier. <laughs> what if For what sure. if it's like a a big file? Like, how do you send that through? And so, we're we're right. we're just starting out, so we're we're trying to tackle all those challenges. I have thirty two gigs of files, and I'm wondering why it's not working. I can see <laughs> that happening. Yeah, exactly. That would take a while, I think, to migrate. It would take a while. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you working on? Uh, I am almost exclusively working on easy digital downloads right now. Uh, that is my e-commerce plugin 
that is built specifically for selling digital goods, whether it's WordPress plugins, media files, etc. Right. Um, so we are prepping for another big release for version 1.8. Uh, we released 1.7, I think, three or four weeks ago. Right. And so, so now we're working on the next version. Who's uh, who's we? We is uh, myself and three or four other developers, uh, primarily Chris Kristoff, Dan Griffiths, and um, Sonny. I'm going to butcher his last name, and he's going to he's going to hate me for it. Sonny <laughs> Rotolo from. Um, from England, and so that's our core team that's been working on the plugin for quite a while now. Uh, they they've all been working with me on it for five, six months, eight months, depending on each one of them. So and so, how did that come about? So it's an open source project, but how yes. how did they get involved and how interested in it? Um, they all got involved really kind of on their own by expressing interest in working on it. Um, okay. I have several times in the past sent out shout outs saying, hey, I would love to get um, other people on this project. I think it's a cool project that is beyond just my development skills, beyond just what I can do. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've always encouraged other people to send in pull requests, send in bug reports, etc. And a lot of users have been really great about that. I think we have about 50 or 60 different people that have contributed to the plugin now via right. GitHub, maybe a few more than that. Um, and so these particular guys were ones that went above and beyond and did more and more development. They've each done extension development as well, building add-ons for the plugin. They've all contributed to the support form. Um, a couple of them just volunteered in the support form, and then I said, hey, let me pay you to do this. I'd, I'd like you to keep doing it. Oh, okay. uh, and so, so it, it's just kind of just... evolved in. They're not just volunteers then, they're... No, they're not just volunteers now. Um, awesome. Yeah, so it, it is our... They are, so they are the other members of the of the core development team. Do, do they work on some of the plugins, uh, or I guess we call them add-ons or extensions? Mm -hmm. Yep. They, they work uh, on That's them? actually what they do. They, would, they probably do more extension development than just core development in terms of the core plugin. Um, they do... A, they're responsible for a couple of the the major extensions that we have we have such as like front end submissions, PDF invoices, um, PDF stamper, and a couple of others that are really important for a lot of different people. Um, I think between the three of them, they've written about twenty or twenty five extensions. Wow! Um, and then they do a lot of core development. So right now we're working on getting version 1.8 out the door. Uh, it's probably going to be about a month or so before we get it out. We're hoping for the end of September. But there's a lot of big things going in. It's primarily a developer-focused release. Okay. So we're building new APIs for uh, developers to, to use. Uh, the, the primary ones being like stats and uh, payment data. So in the past, we've had just some like basic helper functions that allow you to retrieve, say, number of sales for a certain period of time, amount right. of earnings, or sales for a particular product, and things like that. But we've never had a full-fledged API that lets you retrieve these uh, in any way you want. So we've been working on these, and one of the big ones that I'm, I'm really thrilled with so far is our new stats class 
that allows you to retrieve sales or earning stats for the whole store, for any specific product, and you can do any time period that you want. So you can say, I want sales yesterday, I want sales for today, sales last month, this month, last year, or you can just say, I want sales between September 5th, 2012 and August 8th, 2013. And it will just go and grab all of those for you and put them together. Cool. Um, so it's really flexible in terms of uh, date ranges, like what you can pass to it. And so that's the, really the big thing that we've been working on so, is getting that up and going. I'm curious, like, so do you, uh, how does that work performance-wise? I'm assuming you're saving your orders and your, uh, like, order total numbers are, are mm-hmm. in custom fields in yes in the... Uh, right, so payments are stored in, in a custom post type. And then all of the information in terms of like the order amounts, the who bought it, et cetera, is all stored in Postmeta. Right, um, Postmeta, and and Postmeta right. is not very performant. It's not. It's not the best <laughs> performance. True, uh, and that's something that we have definitely struggled with. Right. Um, I for a long time I was I was really opposed to the idea of creating custom tables because I felt like this would work perfectly fine for us, and actually it has worked really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've I've I've tested it extensively, and we've been able to successfully query, say, sales amounts and earnings over a period of three years. Right, yeah. Which, I mean, depending on your store size, could be millions, could be hundreds, could be thousands. And obviously, you're always going to get into, when you get into really big numbers, you're going to start running into more performance problems. Yes. Um, but we're working on ways to mitigate that. Right. Is custom tables one of the things you're thinking about? Or? It, it's a possibility. Uh, yeah. we're, not, we're not closing the door to it, for sure. Yeah, I, I've gone. It's really difficult in a product like that to to consider doing custom tables because it presents so many challenges uh, in terms of you know uh, forward compatibility. You know, like yeah, there, there's a lot of different challenges with it. Um, I mean, I mean, some people will just say, "Oh, well, you should just do that because it's obviously clear that the best." Well, it it may be best, it may not, but there there's a lot of different aspects to it. Um, one of the the challenges we have right now, if we were to do that, is the migration of the current data into the new custom tables. Uh, depending on your store, I mean, if your store has 100 sales, that's easy to manage. But let's say that you have 20,000 sales, or 100,000, or 200,000. Suddenly, the, the idea of changing a database structure when you have that much data to deal with is, is not a simple, straightforward task, and it's something that you have to think about very carefully. Right. Yep, definitely. It's funny when you you said store there. I immediately thought of Homestar Runner. You, do you know that? <laughs> oh yes, store. Yes. Yeah, hilarious. All right. Uh, well, should we should we end there? Maybe. Yeah, I think that that's a good wrap. Okay. Well, uh, until next time, I'm Brad signing off. Uh, I'm Mike. Pippin Williamson for Apply Filters, and see you next time.